In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. My name is Father Matt. I'm one of the rectors here at the table. And we are journeying through Luke's gospel here in ordinary time. Today comes to us a familiar passage about, well, Luke tells us exactly what it's about, right? Seems pretty straightforward, yeah? Can preach this in two minutes. Make sure we get to our lunch plans early. (laughs) Luke tells us that Jesus told this parable so that we don't look on other people with disgust and contempt and don't boast in our own righteousness. And then at the end, just to punctuate it, Luke says, all who make themselves high will be brought low, but those who make themselves low will be lifted up. And there's a few comments I want to make about this text that are overlooked, I think. And then I want to zoom out and talk about the Luke passages before and after this text that actually this text is part of a larger whole of Jesus is doing something. God's love is reckoning with power in these texts. So there's a lot for us here, but today the good news, church, Today, we don't learn from masters, experts, leaders, pastors, or even priests. Today, we learn from the destitute and the desperate and the utterly dependent. Widows, toll collectors, and toddlers. God invites us today to learn justice from the oppressed. So let's advocate persistently and simply staying present with Christ as we contend for his kingdom. The Pharisee stands by himself and says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. The toll collector says, God, have mercy on me or maybe make atonement for me, a sinner. Let me say something about the Pharisees and this Pharisee. Let me say something about tax collectors or toll collectors and this toll collector. First, the Pharisee, that word Pharisee, if you've been in church for 20 minutes, you've heard it used as kind of a Christian curse word, right? Don't be a Pharisee. You're being a Pharisee. And what we mean by that is somebody who's legalistic and moralistic and uh, is very serious about their religion and makes sure that uh, they police anybody who's not as serious about their religion as they are, yeah? This is sort of the normal usage of this term. Um, Martin Luther preached 16 sermons on this text alone. He's famous for his justification by faith, but also for his anti-Semitism. Friends, to use the word Pharisee as a pejorative slur is anti-Semitic, and we have to rid it from our vocabulary. And to get us into an imagination for why that's the case, let me suggest to you that when Jesus is critiquing the Pharisees, it's like when I critique church leaders, right? As a church leader, as a pastor, I critique other pastors. Jesus, as a teacher, 
as someone who interpreted Torah and, and led other people to follow it, we may even call Jesus a Pharisee. So he's critiquing a group he's a part of and associated with, which is different than Christians using the word Pharisee to dig on people. Yeah? Okay. So what was this Pharisee doing? Well, he was standing by himself, presumably to remain ritually clean, not being contaminated by all the people coming to prayer. This is very important for Pharisees. He tells us what he's doing. He's fasting twice a week. He's tithing on everything he receives. Speaking of, our giving campaign is coming up, so probably should mention that today. Yeah. Um, here's something we don't common. Here's something we don't. More on that later. Here's something we don't commonly uh, realize about fasting twice a week, which is way beyond what the law says he has to do and tithing on everything he receives, which is way beyond just tithing on the things that he earns. We, we as individualists tend to think of this Pharisee as working on his own personal piety. But that's not how a Jew and a, a faithful Jew and a Pharisee would have thought of this. He was fasting on behalf of Israel vicarious, vicariously fasting for other people. He was tithing on everything he received because he assumed that the people he received it from hadn't tithed. Do you see that? So there's a communal solidarity in Israel both with sin and with justice or right living. And it's hard for us to conceive of benefiting from someone else's piety. It's hard for us to conceive of that. Or that we're culpable for other people's sins. But you know, Jeremiah mentioned that today. Lord, forgive us for our sins, the sins of our ancestors, Marissa read. You see, in, the, in a Jewish worldview, what you do impacts me. And we're bound up together both in the wrong we do and also in the right that we do. So this Pharisee is performing virtue for the sake of other people on their behalf. He's not necessarily a villain, but the way that he presents himself to God is not one seeking mercy. It's one giving it. Do you track? Are you tracking with me? The Pharisee presents himself as one who's giving mercy with all his good works, unlike the toll collector who's not. Now, the tax collector or toll collector is also seen as a bad guy, but the word used here for tax collector. Uh, later in Luke, we're going to meet uh, Zacchaeus, who we're told is a chief tax collector. Now, real quick, if we had Sunday school this morning, I would have geeked out on all this stuff for a long time, but we didn't have it. So I'm just going to geek out a little bit here. Chief tax collectors bought large, um, basically were franchised by the government, by Rome, 
to collect taxes. So a chief tax collector like Zacchaeus would pay money for a certain region to collect taxes in, and then Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, would hire um, grunts to um, collect taxes, sit in toll booths and collect taxes. Now, those grunts, it's probably like this unnamed toll collector here. Um, maybe a, a grunt or, or, or a goon. He would have collected Roman and Jewish taxes, which unlike our taxes that build roads and pay for salaries of people who are public servants, taxes in the ancient world just went to line the pockets of the elite. So taxes were robbery, right? This is why God gets cranked up at David when he, when he does a census in 1 Samuel. You did a census so you could assess taxes. You took taxes to take other people's money and put it in your own pocket. This is why God gets cranked up at the census. This is why Luke frames Jesus' birth in the midst of what? A census. Why do you do a census? So you can take taxes. What are taxes for? The wealthiest of the wealthy. All right. So we've talked before that in Jesus' day, 95%, 90 to 95% of the Jews, like Jesus, were destitute. Destitute. Anywhere from 40 to 60% of all they grew and all they earned had to be turned over to Roman officials and the temple. And most of the poor would have to choose. Do I eat or do I pay my taxes? This is, like, this is a literal choice that most people had to make on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. So a toll collector would sit at a booth and people, people had to come pay taxes to them. They were despised. Not only were they despised, but it didn't pay very well because it's a pyramid scheme. These were the, this is the goon squad collecting cash for the really wealthy people. So this toll collector usually is someone who can't get a job doing anything else. Think socially ostracized and marginalized. Think someone who went to prison for child pornography. Who's going to hire that person? Now, that person gets a job exploiting his entire community financially. Are you kidding me? So, they were instruments through which people were oppressed, and they themselves were oppressed too. They were a part of this machine that crippled people, but they weren't benefiting. The Zacchaeuses, the Sanhedrin, Herod, Caesar, those are the people benefit. All right, so then the tithe links both of these men. The Pharisee is tithing on behalf of those who can't tithe. Why can't they tithe? Because they decided to eat. And the toll collector is collecting the tithes of the people who will pay it. The Pharisee is working hard within an exploitative system to tithe on behalf of those who cannot. And the toll collector, whose job it is to collect money from the people who don't have any, 
Maybe, maybe the Pharisee is part of an elite, part of the elite who gets taxes, but a lot of Pharisees weren't. So we don't quite know if the Pharisee himself was profiting from the toll collector's business, but it's possible. So the story is about two people caught up in an unjust system, systematic injustice, if you will, and they both address that in worship. Now, there's so much more to say here. But the difference boils down to this. The toll collector seems to own his complicity in the system, and the Pharisee doesn't. The Pharisee's trying to perform good inside an unjust system. And, and in doing that, marginalizes one of the people exploited in the system. And in doing that, justifies himself over and against that person. Right? The toll collector, on the other hand, beats his breast, which is a very shameful thing to do for a man. Usually women beat their breasts in the ancient Near East at funerals. He beats his breast. He looks down. He doesn't look towards heaven. And he says, this sacrifice happening in the afternoon, make that for me. It's literally what the, make atonement for me. Jesus highlights that it's the bad guy, not the good guy, that we're to learn from. Today, today, church, the invitation is not to learn from masters, experts, leaders, pastors, or even priests. Today, the kingdom invitation is to learn from the destitute, the desperate, and the dependent. Let's advocate for ourselves and others persistently and simply staying present with Christ as we pursue the kingdom. <clears throat> now, that's what's going on here, okay? So there's more dynamics economically and systemically than just the, the thing Luke gives us at the beginning and the end that would have just gone without saying. It's just the context people lived in. They would have just known this. But Jesus told this parable in the midst of two other parables. And in the last uh, three to 13 minutes, I want to, cl closer to three, I, I want to... Uh, I want, to, I, want to, I want us to appreciate what Jesus is doing here. He starts with what we heard about last week from Mallory, that there's this parable of a, of, a, of a widow and a judge, and the widow is crying out for justice, and the judge is like, can, can you, will you, okay, just stop bothering me, right? Then we have the Pharisee and the tax collector, or toll collector, and then we have this little story about kids being brought to Jesus, sitting on his lap, and the disciples are like, are you kidding me? Do you know who this is? Jesus drives the Dodge Stratus. Get these kids out of here. There's three themes that I want to point out. There's justice, there's prayer, and there's pedagogy. I couldn't get all three Ps, but there's justice, 
There's prayer and there's pedagogy. First, the widow cries out day and night against injustice of an opponent. Second, the toll collector asks for justice for himself. And third, Jesus intercedes for the child on his lap against the injustice of the disciples. So there's this contending for justice happening in all of these parables. Two, there's prayer. And we, and we see a, a move of prayer like this, okay? There's this widow crying out day and night. Lots of prayers, lots of intercessions, lots of please help. Then you have a tax collector who just says one thing, God, make atonement for me, a sinner. And then you've got a toddler who doesn't say a word. They just sit on Jesus' lap. Justice, prayer, and pedagogy. Jesus, in these three parables, he's teaching. But who's the model? Who's the mentor? Who's the expert in these three? It's not the judge. It's not the Pharisee. It's not the disciples. It's a widow, a toll collector, and a toddler. This is how God's love reckons with power, friends. God's love always reckons with power. Jesus redistributes power in his teaching. He takes these destitute, despised, dependent people that no one would think to learn from and makes them paragons of prayer and justice. He notices who doesn't have power and redistributes it through his teaching, giving them honor, giving widows honor, giving this toll collector honor, giving this toddler honor. He also redefines it, right? So power then isn't about position, judge, Pharisee, but it's about persistence. It's about humility. It's about dependence. Today, friends, we proclaim the good news that we're not learning in this text from a master, an expert, or a leader, or a pastor, or even a priest, but rather we're learning from the desperate, destitute, dependent. God invites us today to learn how to contend for justice from the oppressed. So let's advocate persistently and simply, staying present with Christ as we contend for the kingdom. A friend of mine, Ron, tells a story of his friend who's a recovering addict, very active in the 12-step community. He doesn't really look righteous. He's got a lot of hard edges. He doesn't just say Christian swears, but he actually uses real ones. Ron told his friend he had begun to pray the serenity prayer, Lord, grant me the, you know, that kind of thing. And his friend just smiled and said, sometimes that prayer is too complicated for me. I think I, I could even F that up. He then went on to explain, I stick to a much simpler prayer. Every morning when I wake up, I open my hands and I pray, God, whatever. <laughs> 
And every night when I lay down, I pull the covers up around my chin and I pray, God, enough. He went on, I'm still trying to surrender to those prayers. Can we learn how to pray from a recovering addict? The prayer we're learning today from the oppressed, from the dependent, destitute, derelict, is to keep it simple. Have mercy on me. Maybe just sit in silence, right? Number two, keep at it. (laughs) Don't let up. I mean, 2 Timothy, Paul says this in our reading today, I have fought the good fight. I have run the race. I have kept the faith. I've... I've stayed at it. And three, sometimes we just sit in the presence of intimacy, dependent, holding on. Can we learn that today from the oppressed? Not from a priest or a pastor. Can we advocate for justice simply and persistently as we contend for the kingdom with Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.